Do you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. So we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories. Obviously, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. This week, we are headed to the Leisure Zone to discuss the three-episode premiere of the new Disney Plus series, Andor. Now, according to Wikipedia, these episodes are titled Casa, The Would-Be Me, and Reckoning. The episodes were written by series showrunner Tony Gilroy and directed by Toby Haynes and Benjamin Caron. Be warned, there are spoilers for these episodes and all things Star Wars. (laughs) All right, guys, are you ready to earn an extra thousand with just the story? I mean, it depends on how short the story has to be. Tony Gilroy did the Bourne movies, and those books are really fucking long. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm in. Just don't ask me to pay back any extra credits right now. (laughs) Sounds good. All right, guys, let's punch it. Now, it has been a very busy summer for us. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Job-wise, life-wise, and Mm content-wise. So we did not get a chance to do any kind of like pre-premiere episode. So let's just do a little bit of background here on the show. Tony Goroy is, as I mentioned, the showrunner here. uh, And he says that they plan on unfolding the story of the five years prior to Rogue One over two seasons, 12 episodes each. Uh, The second season is due to start production in November. Now, Tony Gilroy is the one who was brought in to do the massive and kind of infamous yet ultimately awesome reshoots on Rogue mm-hmm. One. So we can thank him for a lot of what ended up on screen there. For our thoughts on Rogue One, check out that episode of the pod. <laughs> so guys, before this show came out, what was your hype level going in? Pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Rogue One. I think we talk about it in our Rogue One pod where we're ranking our movies and Rogue One is like always up there in the top three for us. I love spy thrillers. I love the Bourne movies. It's like if Matt Damon pops up, I wouldn't be mad. (laughs) Only if he's like in heavy makeup though. Heavy makeup, costuming, I'm fine with that. I was really excited when I heard the show was coming out. I love when Star Wars goes gritty. I know there's a lot of people online who have been like, meh, meh, meh. We're going to talk about that later. I had high hopes that Ander would deliver like a more intimate story. We go a lot of times like galaxy wide stories, especially with the prequels. And I wanted to get like more down and dirty with the characters and get to know them better. Like the stakes are very high, but Cassian is just kind of a regular dude who has charisma and is Mm -hmm. good at like infiltrating places just because he can talk his way in. He's just trying to get by, really. Like, he has his own personal mission. He's not worried about anybody else in the galaxy, really, except him. Maybe his adoptive mom and droid and Bix a little bit, but mostly about himself. And I really love that. I like this kind of character. It's like Han Solo a little bit on steroids because he really doesn't have, he doesn't have a Chewie yet. Like, he doesn't have K2. He, Cassian is pretty much on his own. And I very much enjoy that. Mm-hmm. 
I was, I was really ridiculously getting hyped for the show. I mean, after Kenobi and Boba Fett, both of which had plenty of things that I liked about them, but ultimately, like when I looked at them as a whole, fell short in several key areas. I was really trying to keep my expectations on this one from getting out of control and I failed um, as it got closer and closer. Like, the trailers were really good. Tra- like I would yeah. even like, I would tell myself like, I shouldn't watch this trailer because it's just going to get my hopes up and I don't want that to, and I would, and I'd give in and the trailer would come and every little tidbit I saw online would just get me more and more and more excited. Everything looked like it was going to be absolutely gorgeous and you know, given how much I love Rogue One, you mentioned it, Colleen. For me, it's my number two Star Wars movie. I just got more and more pumped as as we got closer. Incredible. Yeah, I Anders, I'm with you. I I had good stuff to say about Kenobi and Boba Fett. There were things I liked, but then, you know, overall they did kind of fall short. And so I was going into this with the hopes kind of a little bit higher for Andor, because you know, as we've all said, Rogue One's probably one of the better Disney projects that they've done. I'm, I'm so happy with the landing. Like I was excited going in. Like you guys said, the trailers, Oh my God, the trailers were hyping me up. Uh, Yeah. I I was like, don't put too much stock into it. Like now these first three episodes have completely sold me. I was excited going in and I'm even more excited after watching those three. So I can't wait to see it unfold. All and I really right. want like an alarm clock that's a guy banging on a drum. <laughs> I just, I an just anvil, Colleen. It was an anvil. Fine, an anvil. Like go bang on the anvils. Sweet, I think like that would make a really man. good like cuckoo clock. Yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> and he was just out there doing his job. He's like living his best life. He's ringing out the work hour. Like, yes, Mike, dude, just go what? for it. I'd rather that than the iPhone alarm. So <laughs> like the, yes, yeah, the default one. Oh. It tells me that guy actually probably like at some point in his life, his like his parents were like, you'll never make a career out of being like a bell ringer. And now he's like, I'll show you what, Ma, I'm on Star Wars. (laughs) Oh, my God. I made it in the percussion section, Mom. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, let's get into what actually happens in these episodes, because they're at some points, it feels like there's not a whole lot going on, but there's actually a lot happening <laughs> the entire time. So, Daniel, do you want to get us started? So, the series opens. Cassian is on a planet called Morlana One. He's in the Leisure District. Ooh. He enters a brothel and starts asking questions about a girl from Canari who works there. So, it turns out he's looking for his sister, but the girl in question hasn't worked there for months. So he gets on the bad side of two corporate security officers while he's there. He accidentally kills one. And then in the standoff afterwards, he shoots the other one. And uh, the man is begging for his life, saying they can work something out. And Cassian just guns him down. It was uh, it was a cold moment and pretty uh, pretty really shocking cold. start to the season. I actually went back and on my rewatch, I actually really wanted to pay attention to the first guy. Because I was like, how, how exactly did that go down? His and nose all he, had to have been shoved yeah, up. Yeah, be, all Cassian really did was like elbow, headbutt or elbow him to the face. And so he must have just like right off to the side, like snapped his neck on the fall or something. Yeah, yeah. Something I think it's happened. combo of smacking him in the nose so hard and then hitting the back of his head. Like he messed that guy up. Yeah. 
So we also get a flashback, though. We see Cassian as a child on a Canary with his younger sister. Mm-hmm. So they're with a bunch of other children that make up their tribe, and they witness a starship crashing. In the flashbacks, his name is Casa. So we're going to keep referring to him as Cassian, although we know that's not his birth name. When he was on Canary, he was known as Casa. So, mm-hmm. I mean, people don't just give their names in a brothel. No one there uses their real name. No, no one. Absolutely not. So, of course, Cassian is not going to do that either. So the morning after the Morlana one incident, Cassian is woken up by B2 emo. <laughs> just like <laughs> B2 emo Cassian for real. <laughs> love him. I love, I love everything about this droid. We're going to talk about him later. Uh, B brings him up to speed about his friends. Cassian gets B to cover up where he's been. Good job. And heads to town where he meets his friend Brasso. Love Brasso. Want more from him. And convinces him to give Cassian an alibi if asked. Like really quick too. Like, these two are obviously very good friends i love that image like all the gloves on the wall and the guys like yes. coming out of the shipyard and mm-hmm. uh, it was really cool like it was a very lived in world we're going to yes. talk about that a little bit too but it just seemed so real and realized like the full world was realized and i very much enjoyed that and mm-hmm. real sets will definitely help with that they really yes, they will interacting with real sets and real props always helps so we go back to Morla- Morlana 1 and meet, I think this is probably going to be my favorite character because I fucking love Inspector <laughs> Javert from Les Mis. This is Inspector Cyril Karn. He's debriefing with his boss, Chief Inspector Hein. Great. Love this guy. He's the typical like middle manager who's like, I don't know. No, we're not. No, we're no. just not going to do that. We're just going to cover it up. reports I'd have to file over this? Absolutely not. work. But Karn is like, you know, he loves paperwork and stamping shit. Like he, he gets off on that. That's all he's good at. Exactly. I mean, it was a double murder of officers for the corporation, but Hines I think like, it's only, know, a, I think it's technically only a single murder. Yeah. I mean, there's just, really only one murder there. Yeah. One was an accident and one was like, maybe a murder. We don't know. <laughs> a murder and a manslaughter. Exactly. Yeah. Just a little bit of light manslaughter. It's fine. And Hein is like, you know, you're a young upstart. Why don't we just cover this up? I know you're probably not going to, but we really should just cover this up. As they would be hard-pressed to explain that their officers are spending way more money than they get paid. Mm, Kickbacks, hello. In a place that should not exist in their sector. Whoopsies. And all the higher-ups want is to hear that crime, like the crime rate is down. That's basically what every upper management person wants to hear is like crime is down, profit is up. We don't want to hear about anything else. Nope. Guys, murder is bad. I'll give you that. But shutting down the brothel over my dead body. Do you <laughs> hear me? Yeah, Highness, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Get the brothel shut down. <laughs> Karn definitely does not go to the brothel. I think we can establish that also. <laughs> Probably they might mess up his uniform and he had it tailored. He got the mm-hmm. uniform tailored. Specifically tailored. Mm-hmm. Did you change your uniform? Fucking dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back on Ferrix, Cassian visits his friend Fix with hot. whom he, yeah, Fix is hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with whom he trades in salvaged and black market parts. Uh, he tells her he has a major navigation system to sell. And she, after being like, dude, how long have you had this? And you're just telling me about it now, mm-hmm. does agree to reach out to a buyer, hiding it from her coworker and romantic interest, Tim, 
this fucking guy. Oh, Tim. Tim with two M's. Yes, Tim yes, with two, two M's. M's. Two M's, Tim. <laughs> and Tim's probably the type of guy who actually says that, too. Yeah. All right, we get... Yeah, I'm Tim. I'm Tim with two M's. <laughs> <laughs> so many dweebs in these episodes. <laughs> we get another flashback to Canari. This time, they're doing some kind of, like, a, an initiation rite or some a ritual with, that involves them giving them themselves these uh, face paintings. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, back in the present, Cassian gets stopped by Vetch, who apparently Cassian owes money to. And Cassian's like, dude, no, I, it's gone, man. It, everything's in motion. Like, I can't take it back now. And Min just to talk his way out of the situation. So Bix leaves the shop. Tim follows her, suspicious of what's going on with her and Cassian. Seriously, Tim, get some security. Like, you're fine. Yeah. You are fine. I mean, but look at Cassian. <laughs> I'd be a little worried too if Diego Luna was like rolling up on my girl. Yeah, but he's still doing this after what happens later that night. So no. So she manages to lose him and she reaches her destination, a little shop where she can, she gives the password and uses a secret communication device, reaches out to some of her contacts. Very Ezra Bridger's parents here. I think we're going to notice a lot of Rebels parallels in in the next several weeks. Uh, And and then another flashback to Canari. The children are getting ready to scope out this crashed ship. Cassian is initially left out, but ultimately the, the leader lets him go with them. But he has to leave his sister behind. Yeah, she's too little. Probably a good thing, though. She looked like she was young. Yeah. Well, I got questions so, about that uh, later, too. Yeah. So Cyril has his team set up despite Hines' orders, and they head out to investigate the murders. So they put out a bulletin for any Canari men in the sector, including Ferrix. Uh, so Cassian modifies the ship's chips and logs that he took to Morlana 1 to cover up his tracks if searched. His friend Pegla, though, is not amused by that being necessary. He's like, Either don't come back dogs. to my junkyard. <laughs> Never speak to me or my dogs again. <laughs> yeah, and Cassian's like, actually, I thought maybe I could, I could use it again later tonight, if that's okay. He's like, absolutely not. <laughs> You're not on my insurance. We're done. Uh, so back on Canari, uh, Cassian promises his sister he'll be back soon, and the children head out. Uh, on their way to the crash site, crash site, the children pass by a huge abandoned mine. It is mm-hmm. massive. Uh, so Cassian, in the present, visits Marva and B, and she shows him the bulletin uh, looking for any Canari males. And he admits he's told a few people about his birthplace, Despite Marva always like saying, no, 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 he's from Fest. We don't, like, come on, keep it on the DL. You guys, if Fiona uh, Shaw was mad at me, I'd be terrified. Yeah, I'd be very, right? very scared. <laughs> That's on Petunia. Be careful. <laughs> uh, so B then tells Cassian that Bix has been trying to call him. So Cassian goes to see Bix and he admits to killing the guards. Mm. Since it's too late to call off for contact, they decide to go through the sale as originally planned. And then, after a couple drinks, the insanely insecure Tim contacts Morlana One and informs them that Cassian is a Canary male on Ferrix because Tim is a narc. Tim is a dweeb, a narc. He's Fuck this guy. Like, first, but Cassian, like, did you tell Tim that you're from Canary? Like, what the? No, hell? apparently that's on Bix. Like, that I mean, yeah, I think he overheard it or something from Bix. Mm. Never that pillow again. talk. You got to be careful. Don't yeah. tell Which, your boyfriend anything. <laughs> speaking of Bix and Cassie, they're totally exes, right? 
some sort of exes yeah yeah some sort of exes i think yeah, they, they have a past i don't know there. if there was a i don't think they were ever anything like formal or anything but they definitely had some fun mm. yeah definitely and cassian of course uses that to his advantage mm-hmm. but bix does too i mean absolutely it's a, it's a very like good operation that they've got going on and they don't want to ruin it which is fine business good job you kids so Cyril receives the intelligence and plans a mission to Ferrix. He and Sergeant Moss, which is basically like every single like Irish slash Scottish cop military cliche thrown into one person, <laughs> which is like, fine, that's good. I guess it's the same in Star Wars as it is in every other film where there is such a character. They're planning the operation with Moss thinking they'll need 12 officers, which is like pretty good. I guess like considering he's like we're going after one person but you never know so we're bringing 12 people and then he's like but Cyril you should come too this could be a really great bust I mean this could be really great for your career a boost for the men when we're going out on the ground like yeah no (laughs) absolutely not this is a terrible idea so then we have Cassian he's retrieving the navigation system so he can sell it he flashes back to his tribe approaching the wrecked ship this was a lot going on meanwhile Luthen who is Bix's buyer and Stalin Skarsgård, and my heartbeat just like increased a lot, <laughs> arrives on the planet. Bix, who spent the night at Tim's, yowie, hmm, asks him to open the yard while she runs some errands. Tim, of course, is like, errands? Suspicious. Cassian is she already ran to- errands, what? I know, exactly. How many errands do you have? <laughs> this is, this well, it's is hard gross. to run her errands when she's in your bed, Tim. Okay, chill. It is true. It is true. Right, right. She came over to your place, Tim so cassian is planning with b adorable just so he, every time b's on screen i'm like <laughs> he is so cute i love him so cute and he gives the droid to come just in case they need it in another flashback we have the canary girl she is the leader obviously of this tribe she's approaching the ship which like girl if you're the leader you really should not be approaching the ship but i understand why you are yeah they're the crew kind of like stumbles out and their skins looking a little yellow a little peaked like mm. i couldn't tell because there was that there was that yellow smoke too so i was like did the yep. smoke do that or are they actually yellow right. i think they were poisoned by something i think they were also poisoned. i definitely think they were poisoned i'm just wondering if their yeah. skin was yellow to start or right. if that was like, because was of the poison i think it was because of the poison, poison. they seem like normal human human-esque people mm-hmm. but yeah oof, yikes she like kind of kicked him a little bit to see if he was dead and he didn't move. So then she moves on. He gets up, of course, and shoots her. Oh, which is sad. like, dude, don't fucking shoot a kid. Like, come on. The rest of the children attack, taking down the crew member. Well, most of them carry off their leader, which is super sad. Like, she's she's obviously dead. And yeah. they're going to need a new leader. Cassian stays behind and enters the ship little baby uh-huh. baby cassian in the present cassian negotiates a price to a ticket off world i liked the scene too it was yeah. very um scotty in the first star trek jj abrams where he's talking to his little buddy and he's like you're not hungry you can eat a bean and you're fine. Down. <laughs> yeah exactly I, this was just I, I love it i love everything about this cyril gives um possible the least motivating pep talk of all time to his security team he obviously thinks that he's gonna like rev up into this great speech and the guys around him are like wow 
Obviously, you have never been yes, yeah, guys. Uh, we're we're gonna um um motivation and um um taking <laughs> down the bad guys. Like <laughs> yes, yeah, synergy. Just corporate buzzwords and bullshit. Yeah, just I. Bullshit. <laughs> whoever is playing Cyril, like props to you. You play such them. a shithead so well. I love to hate you. The only <laughs> other thing I've seen him in, he also plays kind of a shithead, and he's also very good. <laughs> yeah, although he, he redeems himself in that one, in Poldark, you're he talking does. about, right? He does, yeah. He's yeah. Um, a very weak-souled character in Poldark who has good intentions, but is easily like made jealous. But he, yeah. he does play that role very well, of like this weak person who is in a place of power. He's Jonas a nice combination really of Cyril and Tim. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's like a person in a place of power who does not understand how to wield that power. Right. And then we have Luthen takes a shuttle down towards the city of Ferrix, and he's with this really chatty passenger. <laughs> I kind of am oh like, is God. this guy going to show up again? This is very like the novel Ronin, where... <laughs> The kind of stranger shows up and the Ronan's like, what the fuck is going on here with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I felt like with this chatty passenger. I love it. It was, just a, it was a really cool moment of just like world building. Like, oh, people do just like chat on the way to work mm-hmm. <laughs> in Star yeah. Wars. Awesome. He's like, I'm an extrovert. Please speak to me. <laughs> I just, I have to go back for a second. I just made this connection. Uh-oh. All I'm going to be able to think about with Cyril from this show is Cyril Figgis from Archer. Just a big old yeah. dweeb. I was actually wondering that he's what, better than he is. I was wondering at one point if that was a if that was deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Cassian meets with Luthen, and the other, Cassian just wants his money. Like Luthen's like pressing him for details about how he acquired the tech and trying to like get him a little bit riled up. And Cassian's just standing there like, do, do you have my money, man? Like, can we just yeah. do this? Like, I, I, I'm on the clock here. Can, do mm-hmm. you he have pulls my money? out the money, though, boss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I got it. Uh, Cassian tells, ultimately reveals to Luthen that stealing from the Empire is actually really easy because they are way too fat and way too arrogant that thinks someone like him could just put on a uniform and walk into their bases. And I think that's really what Luthen was wanting to hear. Mm-hmm. So he offers Cassian a chance to fight these bastards for real. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the security team arrives on barracks, marches through the yard. The town starts making like all this noise. They're banging on pipes and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're kind of alerting each other, just trying to cause a little bit of chaos. Mm-hmm. And not a pro- not just not appreciative of the fact that corporate forces are actually here. And even before they left, the security team was like, you know, these Ferrix kind of has its own way of doing things. They're not going to appreciate it. So they had been warned. It's like most Eisley. Like, don't. No, yeah. Ferrix says, fuck there. the police. Yes. <laughs> the team arrives at Marva's and kind of detains her. And she just eventually looks around and just plops down in her chair like, fine, we're going to do this. Let's, let's fucking do this. Yep. Uh, although... Cassian during this comes in to be and they accidentally reveals his location to the officers. Uh, the team catches up with Cassian and Luthen who engage in a really cool firefight really that involves cool. heavy machinery just kind of falling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they do manage to make their way out. At the same time, Bix gets into a spot of trouble with the security team. She's kind of running and they detain her. So Tim tries to help and he gets shot. 
no one watching the episode is particularly upset by this turn of events. <laughs> he did try to help. I mean, yeah, but this is like total. This is like the narc being like, "No, I'm on your side. It was me." And then he still gets shot. Like, yeah, that's fair. It's ironic that he gets shot when he's the one who called them there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We also get to see Brasso just randomly tie something to the security shuttle. Like, I really loved this. How the the whole town, the whole city kind of like activated itself. Like there's yeah. not necessarily a coordinated thing. It's just, they all understand. They all know that, eh, no, this is what we do when these people turn up. Yep. Yep. Um, he tethers uh, something, a big heavy piece of machinery to the security shuttle, which gets caught when it tries to take off to this crane walker and causes the ship to crash. Amazing. <laughs> it was I mean, really cool. You know what? I am very happy with that because while we don't like Tim, at least the corporate officer who crashed was the one who shot him and was probably going to have no like consequences. Right. That's true. So like, meh, you got some consequences in the end. <laughs> Fine with it. Oh, you did too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still back in her house, Marva remarks to the security officers holding her there that this is what a reckoning sounds like. I'd be fucking scared. I feel like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Like, excuse me, ma'am. What? I want to leave now. Exactly. Um, We're done. We're just done. So, meanwhile, though, Cassian and Luthen use a decoy speeder uh, to they they make everyone think that they're leaving in that, and then surprise, it's an explosive, and then they get away on a speeder bike instead. Uh, so, he and Luthen get onto their ship, and they are heading off world. We also get some flashbacks with Cassian in a rage on the crash ship. He's smashing up consoles when Marva is there. So she takes pity on the boy who has no idea what's going on, does not speak the same language. Nope. Uh, no so basic. They're concerned about Republic forces, though, coming. So she thinks that they might wipe out anyone in the area. So she sedates the child, carries him off. So in the closing episodes, we see young Cassian waking up and seeing himself taking off in a spaceship lined up pretty perfectly with present Cassian looking out of Luthen's cockpit window. Wild. Absolutely wild. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get right into it. (laughs) Colleen, after you watched these the first time, what was your reaction? (laughs) Wow. I was like, oh, shit. I forgot there were three, first of all. Yeah. Like, all right, I got to buckle in and watch three episodes. This is going to be great. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. Before I watched the episodes, I had to go to work and I was on Twitter. And every single review I read so far started off with a lot of whining about how slow the show moved until the end of episode three. And I was like, what? Like, what? There's 12 episodes. So we do have time for this. I really couldn't care less. The first episodes established the world, making it feel way more lived in than Tatooine. Like mm-hmm. Tatooine still feels like it's not real. Whereas Ferrix and even Morlana One, too, I was like, these are real lived in places. And the people just felt more real. I think Kenobi did a much better job establishing that Tatooine was a real place with real people, but this immediately. You knew, like Anders said, with the gloves on the wall. Holy shit, this is like a ritual that they all go through to go to work in the morning. They got to punch in, they got to get their gloves, and they got to go to work. 
we got to know like all these new characters, why we should care about them. I actually do care about them. We're introduced to the show's like proposed baddie so far. He's not an Imperial. I also really love that. He's a corporate stooge. I love that the corporation is the bad guy. It's not the Empire in this, at least yet. I like that the villain, he's just doing his job. He is an office-only Javert-type character. He's not been out in the field. He just is like, justice. I want justice to be done. And these men didn't deserve to be killed. It's like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) They maybe didn't deserve to get killed, but they also, like his superior said, fucked with the wrong person. Yep. Like, they really should have been, like, just don't stick your nose in other people's business, thinking that you're a big boss because you're not, obviously. I really love yeah exactly like these men sorry boys but oh my god (laughs) no I mean not wrong I I loved Fiona Shaw too I was very excited when she was cast and it showed in these three episodes she barely had any screen time and -hmm. she basically wiped the floor with anyone else in her scenes she's just fantastic I like her also being a concerned mother figure as opposed to (laughs) I'm very much here for that. Um, Also really intrigued by the yellow stuff that seems to have killed the crew of the crash ship on Canari. Could be like some sort of bioweapon test that went horribly wrong. I'm very curious to see if this comes up again. I'm sure it will. You don't put it on screen if it doesn't matter. Yeah. Anders, how about you? I was just, this was such an amazing way to kick things off and I think it's interesting, Colleen, you're talking about the reviews and they're talking about how it was slow or whatever. And I remember like there was something kind of nagging at me as I started to watch that. And that was about halfway through episode two that I realized that it was, it was the pacing that was, that was hitting me, but it was actually unsettling to me that the pacing was being done so well. It's not that it was moving slow. It was taking its time to build up these characters and get right up and close with them but still moving forward at the same time. And I think the fact that this is a 12 episode show is like you said, it's giving them the space to do that. We don't have to rush through this or we don't have to gloss over that. And it was just really, really refreshing that they were able to do that. And I think the word that I would use just looking at the show, it just looks so tactile. Everything on screen can be touched. Mm -hmm. Everything feels like it was crafted somewhat by hand even. Um, something that I really loved from Rogue One and the way The Force Awakens was designed after the prequels where they like just didn't build sets above people's heads, if at all. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. in the scene where the firefight towards the end, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure some of it was VFX, like there's no way yeah. it wasn't. But comparing like trying to avoid those falling pieces of machinery to like Anakin and Padme running through the uh, droid factory in Attack of the Clones, where you can tell that they're just like moving around things that aren't there. Like just this felt dangerous. Like this actually felt dangerous. Uh, I was really struck by how, actually, how quiet most of it was. Like a lot of this is like whispered conversations between two people in a room, but everything still looks like it drops right into Star Wars. Don't know about you. Don't know about you guys. I was getting some major Lethal feels off of that. Like. Uh, the walkway into the leisure district with the way the lights were placed. And then when Luthen is kind of gazing out over the plains towards the city. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I just, I, it was so great. And I'm just in on these characters already. I have a couple questions on the flashback 
and their relevance to the story. Colleen, you know me, I am always questioning <laughs> the relevance of flashbacks, but yes. they're not As taking up they're not taking up 50% of the screen time. So, so far I'm okay with them <laughs> and I am enjoying them. I really want to just see, see us move forward. I do want to call out one trope that I kind of, it, it was a bit of an afterthought after I finished the episode, but I was like, you know what? Can we not do this? It is possible for a runaway or lost girl to not end up in a brothel. She doesn't have to end up as a sex worker to be rescued by a man. <laughs> just Yeah. It's yeah. possible. <laughs> It is, and I'm saying that as someone who has watched an appalling amount of Law and Order SVU. Yeah, like it, it's yeah. a trope that yes, it works, but, but could still. be t- it's time for an update. Mm-hmm. Like um, I appreciate that you wanted to put something like that in Star Wars, but mm. yeah, don't doesn't have to happen that way. That's no. a little tired. Yeah, I did like that the brothel matron that he spoke to was basically like, she doesn't need your help. Like fuck you. <laughs> That is true. Nobody uses your name. Like, <laughs> I think we give fine. real names here. Like, are you dumb? Are you new? <laughs> Obviously, he's very new. <laughs> One thing I really noticed, too, was when all the children are on Canari, we don't actually know what they're saying. They're speaking mm-hmm. their own kind of indigenous language, but all the mm-hmm. subtitles say is speaking Canari, which I thought was a really interesting detail. Yeah. I'm Definitely, it was done on purpose, and I'm kind of curious about why. Mm-hmm. But you can tell kind of what they're saying, yeah, the context and stuff. But yeah, I would, I was like, wait, wait, subtitle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do I need to know? Um, and just generally, I kind of liked it though, just because it was, it forced you to really pay attention yes. to the body Ooh. language and to have like the Facial environment around it. Yeah. Yeah. To and, really get there, like the context of what was happening. And I liked that they made you really pay attention instead of just looking at subtitles and that was it. Yeah. And it also does highlight the fact that these are like indigenous children. Yeah. yeah. They are natives to the planet. They are not necessarily connected to the wider galaxy, which mm-hmm. again, I'm kind of wondering where that's going to play into the story later. Same. And just generally the show had an amazing like show don't tell way of building out its worlds. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of points where something is kind of verbally explained to us, but almost all of it is done through action and through like set details. It actually reminded me a little bit of John Wick. Like Ah. I cannot tell you how those tokens actually work, (laughs) but I get it. And I don't know all the rules of this whole assassin guild, but I know the way the characters move through it just because of how they act. I can tell Mm -hmm. how Cassian operates, how Bix is able to use our contact network, how the security team runs itself, all of that without needing an exposition info dump. Yeah, they're very, there was like no exposition whatsoever. I liked that. You guys have hit the nail on the head. Uh, I think what really we've seen is this world feels lived in. It felt lived in. It like they drop us right in the middle of the story. There's no like, hey, here you go. Like Cassian's on his way to do this. No, you just have to figure out what's going on. And I was a little caught off guard at first because I'm like, wait, are we going to set anything up? No, they just drop us in. (laughs) And I loved it. It, Everything just like, it's like, no, 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 come on. Like we're moving. Let's start going on. And it's great. I, I thought it like, you have to pay attention to what's going on. You're in a world that actually feels real, that people are existing in. It's not just like the world started when the story started. And I right. thought like, 
it visually it looked great. It was well written. It was well acted. I was just incredibly happy with this. I am happy that it's like it got me thinking too. I'm wondering, okay, these flashbacks mean something. He can't be six years old in these flashbacks. Like, there's no adults. And I'm now I'm wondering what happened before then. Did something happen like when you were younger that the adults are gone? And like that's why the mining is here. Like, not only did they really just get me invested in the current story, they've already got me really wondering what's happening in the future. And they really knew what they were doing with these opening episodes. I'm glad they dropped all three because I, when I heard three episodes, I thought we were going to get like 45, 50 minute episodes. So Mm -hmm. I was a little worried, but I kind of like this like 35 minute episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You You get enough action, you get enough things going on that like, that it doesn't feel like, you know, it just ran right through, but it doesn't drag on. Right. They really hit the nail on the head. And I'm glad that they, uh, like, you can tell that they have a story that they're confident in. And I'm just, I'm excited. Yes. yes. It feels very developed. Yes. Like, very they much actually so. had a framework and a set of actors. And they're like, yes, we're going. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, next up, we are heading into one of my favorite segments here our homages, Easter eggs, connections, and callbacks. Now, this story is extremely well developed. This story seems to be very self-contained. Uh, so there aren't as many like direct connections to other bits of Star Wars lore as we might have gotten from like a Boba Fett or a Kenobi premiere. But that's definitely by design and it's not a bad thing. And there are still so many fun background details and kind of homages to dig through. So I will start us off here. Starting with this whole corporate government thing this whole, the preox morlana corporation and morlana one is new to the show we haven't actually seen this corporation before but the concept of a corporate run sector is nothing new in star wars we started phantom menace with the trade federation all the way up into the other rogue one prequel that exists that would be the novel catalyst highly recommend uh corporations have enjoyed a certain amount of autonomy and it's very well established in the star wars galaxy That is until um, they start to fall behind even a little bit on their quotas and the Empire sends in a uh, cybernetically augmented manager to run everybody into the ground. (laughs) I do have to add because it's Master and Apprentice. (laughs) I was going to say, I know Daniel's got one from the video games too. Of course, of course I do. The Zerka Corporation (laughs) in the Old Republic, Mm -hmm. uh, they owned Kashyyyk and they were dicks. And I love (laughs) being able to rebel against them and having the Wookiees massacre them. Yes. I think they're also the corporation in Master and Apprentice, the novel. Zerka, Uh, yeah. They've been around for thousands of years and they've always been dickbags. Never buy Zerka products. Never go to Amazon. Just kidding. (laughs) We can't survive without it for real though. Yeah, we can't. Uh, but yeah, if you see Zerka or like Whalen Utani, just stay away. Just don't, <laughs> don't sign up for that. Okay, next we have Morlana One's Red Light District. Not supposed to have this, yet here we are. Um, brothels and sex slavery have been mentioned in Star Wars before, but we finally get to see an actual brothel. It's like, oh shit, I guess we're really going in here. This is great. One street casting goes down, has these like bubble picture windows, very amsterdam red light district you kind of see these people behind them performers slash workers 
possibly trying to draw people inside, get them to spend all of their credits. The bubbles are also very reminiscent of a defense system from Legends. I love Legends. I love reading Legends books. The Vagari pirates from the unknown regions where the Chiss are from used these kind of bubble protrusions from their ships and filled them with innocent civilians to deter wild. attacks from their enemies. Yeah. Okay, that is wild. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Not great, Bob. They totally filled them with <laughs> innocent people, usually women and children, and were like, yeah, shoot at our ships, see what happens. Oh, boy. Yeah, not cool. Oh, my gosh. So uh, we also get to see Kanari and the uh, planet of children. So a planet with no grownups. Yeah, this is definitely going to end great. This is going to be fine. Uh, no Lord of the Flies things going on here at all. No. Uh, so Kanari is a new planet made for the show. But the new novel Padawan saw Obi-Wan Kenobi exploring a previously unknown planet that only had children. Uh, so Canary's status as a mining disaster zone also points to the Empire's desire to cover up any failures. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, 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 don't. Don't look there. No, away. mining disaster. Stay away. I mean, they did that in Rogue One. It's like, oh, no, Jeddah was destroyed by a gas explosion. Yeah. And nobody <laughs> seems to know much about Canary either. Like, they've heard rumors and, like, kind of disastery things, but nobody mm-hmm. really has any idea what it is. No. Next up, we get a mention of the planet Wobani. Uh, Tim mentions this upcoming run there in a conversation with Bix, and that is actually the planet that Jin is imprisoned on at the start of Rogue One. Mm-hmm. So they're making because he's a narc and he knows there's a jail there. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> you're being rescued. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of droids, <laughs> we have B2EMO, possibly the most adorable droid that has ever existed. <laughs> which is hard to say because we have a lot of really cute droids this is the first time that we've met this little guy and you won't convince us like that his rolling around the junkyard is not a wally reference because it completely is it was 100 percent a wally reference i was really expecting him to start picking up trash and like putting it in my yes i really wanted to (laughs) so much also in the present timeline besides him being like a little dirty you can see that one of his back wheels has been replaced it's not yellow it's now yellow We've seen this happen with droids before, like 3PO's red arm, where we're like, wait, what the fuck is up with his red arm? Look in the comics, that's where the red arm is. He his wanted us to ask about silver. the red arm. He always wants us to ask about the red arm. <laughs> it's actually a really good story. You have to read the comics for that one. His leg is also silver instead of gold throughout the original trilogy, though most of us didn't really notice that <laughs> until Rebels oh, put it in the same. dark contract. It looks very much the same. I would never. Yeah, no, Rebels really it. points it out. Yeah. Like, oh I, shit. <laughs> I got to say about B, did anyone else catch, did his voice kind of sound like um, Tars from Inception, or not Inception, uh, Interstellar? A little bit. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, like the robot uh, things from Interstellar. That's what I he reminded me of. He had a little stutter too. It was like little B. Yeah. He's so old. <laughs> I love B. And if anything happens to him, I will rebel. Like, I love him. So we also get the planet Fest mentioned. So that is the one that Cassian is supposedly from on all his paperwork. Uh, It also has a history in Legends canon. It operated as a weapons facility and uh, for like for a rebel base. And uh, it was showcased in Rogue Squadron, the video game. So maybe we'll see it in the upcoming movie. Who knows? If that movie ever happens. 
it's officially yeah, pulled yeah. from the release schedule. Yeah. Oh, has it? Oh, God, yeah. Never mind. Dang. <sighs> Just want to see a pilot movie, though. I so know. Cool. I know. Someone will get, get the Squadron Top Gun instead. Maverick team to do this movie. <laughs> Just put wedge in it. Like I mean, top, just need- top Gun Maverick already made a Star Wars movie, so <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, we have to go low through the canyon and shoot the thing that's <laughs> only two meters across with a missile. <laughs> Can't be done. Can't be done. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, we have a couple of familiar faces and familiar voices. The actor Dave Chapman, who voices and operates B two EMO, and James McArdle, who played Tim have appeared in Star Wars before. Chapman, among several other roles, was one of the puppeteers behind BB-8 in the sequel trilogy. And McArdle was a resistance pilot in Force Awakens. Okay, Chapman, come through as uh, two of the best droids in Star Wars. Let's go. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I say that's that fantastic. like all the droids aren't best droids. I know. They are so good. We just need our live-action chopper ones. so that we can fully just be like, he's the best. <laughs> he's obviously the best. If we get live action chopper, I will die with happiness. Yeah. Besides, like just in the background of Rogue One, yeah. we actually want chopper, like to do stuff. I want chopper to murder people on screen for real. Oh yeah, obviously. <laughs> if he does, if he isn't murdering people, he's not happy. Yeah, <laughs> and we got to keep chopper happy. <laughs> if chopper isn't happy, Hera isn't happy. So we need to make sure that he's doing okay. All right, next we have Brits. So many British people <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> Besides the fact that like everyone in the Empire has this very posh British accent. We have a lot of British accents in this episode. We obviously need more space Scottish. Please, more space Scottish. I love the accent so much. I want to hear more of it. First, we have Kyle Soler. He plays the villain, Cyril Karn. He, like we said before, he plays the very fragile Francis in the BBC, BBC show Poldark. Cassian's buddy Brasso, also love him. I want to see him do more stuff. Played by Joplin Siptain, who's most well known for his leading role in the British soap opera EastEnders, which is wild. This is some wild shit. If you go from EastEnders to Star Wars, that is amazing. To be fair, is there a single British actor working today that wasn't on EastEnders? Yeah, that's probably true. That is fair. That is fair. It's an initiation. <laughs> yes, it's wild too. If you ever need something like just crazy as fuck to watch, watch Eat Senders. Then we have Rupert Nicholas Van Stittart. He's an English character actor. Viewers might know him from Game of Thrones. He, Orion Royce, he let's is, go. He is Bronzian. And then he's also an outlander. He plays Karn's corporate superior, who really just wants to like let things go that he can't control. He's been in no, so much I, stuff. I love that actor. I will say the um oh shoot, what's the big beefy Scottish guy's name again in this? Uh Ma- the guy that, Mosk. Mosk. Mosk, yes. Yeah. Uh so he has shown up in a couple things recently that I knew him from that I didn't realize he was in. He was the mining leader in um, Chernobyl. And he not only was the mining leader in Chernobyl, in the Batman, he played the commissioner. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. No clue that was him. That man can transform. I need to to rewatch that movie. I actually, I liked that movie. I just haven't had time to go back and watch it again. I need to rewatch it too. And then, uh, Bix also asked Tim for a calf, so the Star Wars version of coffee, which, good, you gotta have coffee of some kind. 
Oh, they have is... hot chocolate too. They have like hot chocolate. They've got calf. They've got blue milk. <laughs> they've got blue milk. They've got green milk. Milk and blue noodles. There mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have Starpath. So this is the name of the navigation unit that Cassian's trying to sell. Nothing else in canon, but it is a reference to the navigation system in Legends on the Star Destroyer Errant Venture. Booster uh, Tarek. Shout won't out. Spoil that, I won't spoil that story here, but it involves um, painting the Star Destroyer red and it operating as both a casino and a new Jedi base. Okay, that's Correct. rad. It does. The Errant Venture and its owner, Booster Tarek. Amazing. No notes. Love every minute of it. Rad. Can you oh, imagine man. seeing a fucking red Star Destroyer coming at you? But then it's just like blaring music, and they're like, all right, tonight we've got craps. We've got Russian roulette. Like, what are Russians? I don't even know. Aurelian roulette. Oh, Oh, man. So speaking of uh, some ships coming towards you, we've seen several that have appeared in the franchise. So we see a Y-Wing in that shipyard. There's a WTK-85A that Cassian uses, we, which was seen in The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Clem mentions that the Republic cruiser is a consular class, which appears throughout the Clone Wars. And the ships that are transporting the security team uh, to the planet are mobile tack pods. That was so cool seeing them uh, come off that ship. Yeah, that, was really cool. that chip also, I mean, it just really reminded me of the uh, the pyramid chips from the Stargate franchise. Like, I oh, was cool, yeah. yes. <laughs> do look like, I, I, of course, went to Silent Hill and Pyramid Head and was like, oh no, <laughs> this is not going to be good. <laughs> We're all nerds, everyone. Everything's fine. All right. Another ship note that we have here, the Canary ship crash. So the insignia on the men's uniform looks more separatist than yeah. Republic. So is this set non long after the Clone Wars or like during the Clone Wars, the timeline stuff, Anders, we're going to talk about this more later. Yeah. These could be kind of like remnants maybe of separatist forces running away from the Republic, but shouldn't they now be running from the Empire? We, yeah, we have to talk about this more. Marva might not know exactly what's going on in the galaxy yet too, if this is like very close after Order 66 which could explain why she's like the Republic is coming instead of the Empire is coming. Yeah. But yeah, this is... Mm. Anders is going to talk about this more. Yeah, I have, I have questions. <laughs> Next up, it's Star Wars. Predominantly human cast here, but we do have several aliens uh, peppered kind of throughout the background of the show. None of them really gets a prominence, but we do see an Aki Aki, an Abed Nido, uh, in Rugian, a Fergosian... Uh, and members of the Urodel, Urodel species. Uh, there are also Corellian hounds running through the streets and taking a whiz on poor little B2. Poor B. <laughs> I was like, these Corellian hounds are good boys. And then they did that. And I was like, nope, nope, we're done. Nope. <laughs> Spray bottle. <laughs> yes, like absolutely not. And then, uh, oh man, seeing Brasa though take down that shuttle by tethering it to the walker, it just... Like, what a fun inversion of the tactic that Luke uses in uh, Empire Strikes Back. I, I immediately that. went there. I was, just, I was just like, use your harpoons and tow cables. Oh, shit. Yes. <laughs> you want us to do what? <laughs> he was so nonchalant about it, too. Like, you hardly noticed that he was doing it. And then you're like, wait, what did he just do? <laughs> totally didn't catch it until the second time. 
yeah I watched it again. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, you sneaky dog. Like, I knew one of them had to have done it, but I'm like, oh my god, look at you, Brasso. <laughs> and also, Brasso's. I was like, is this only murders in the building? <laughs> <laughs> Brasso's. Oh my god, Steve Martin, please do Star Wars. Okay, next we have oh Stellan Skarsgård plays Luthen Rael. He's this mysterious buyer who shows up to collect Cassian on Ferrix. There were a lot of theories flying around that Skarsgård would be actually playing Legends character Garmbel Iblis, who is a senator for the Galactic Republic from Corellia, who later defects from the Imperial Senate and becomes a very big thorn in Palpatine's side. Yay, we love a Corellian that goes rogue. This character could still be an homage to the Legends rogue. This is like a tactical genius, a political genius, and he is allied with Bail Organa and Mon Mothma in Legends. So from some of the okay. stuff we've seen in the trailers, this could be, if we hear he's from Corellia, it's basically, I think it's going to be that character. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be really cool, because he fucks with Thrawn a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to actually get Thrawn cast first, okay? <laughs> no. All right. And lastly, I mentioned these a little bit earlier, these kind of like early Rebels vibes. I mentioned the design of the cities kind of taking me back to Lothal. Similarly, when Cassian is giving that whole speech about how the Empire never expects someone like him to just walk into their facilities, I was pretty much drawn back to Colleen, our uh, Rebels coverage on Bohemian Geek Studies. And we made comment about how the ghost crew just seems to easily just walk in to so many facilities and no one ever notices. Everywhere. They're just walking in. (laughs) They're like landing. You belong. They're just like landing on Star Destroyers and nobody notices. Oh, I'm Um, sorry. You think I shouldn't be here? Oh, um, if you say it like that. And I think throughout the show, we will get a decent amount of Revels reference or at least influence as they are both set in the exact same time frame uh, starting out five years before um rogue one and a new hope and it's this very early start of the rebellion mm-hmm. yeah this is how cassian becomes one of the fulcrums like mm-hmm. we're basically watching his journey into becoming one of the fulcrums then we have ahsoka who at this time is already one of them <laughs> all right Next, we are going to head into our characters and general discussion points. We got to start out with our boy Cassian, the poor baby orphan boy who's looking for his family. The trope is good. It works. We don't necessarily like that his sister was in a brothel, but there, I mean, even found family is great, but there's always going to be this kind of urge to find your quote unquote true family or biological family, especially when his sister and him seem to be so close. Mm hmm. Like, I think this is his main mission. I don't know if he's ever going to find her, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Cassian himself, there has been a lot of talk about him killing those two corporate officers. Like, yes, the headbutt death was an accident, but he does kill the other guy in cold blood. Does this make him someone you can't root for? I still root for him. (laughs) Absolutely. Look. They were mad that he giggled at them. Like, they were mad that he laughed at them. And they tried to, like, show their, like, authority and, like, look at us. We're going to shake you down. He tried to, like, bribe them off. He tried to calmly, like, uh, ease things off. But they decided that they were going to escalate things to the next level because they wanted to show their power. Yeah. Yeah. They fucked with the wrong guy. Cassian didn't sit there and be like, 
oh, this is so great. I love this. No, mm-hmm. like you could tell he was upset by it. Even when he was yelling at the guy and kind of like toying with him, you could tell like it's because he didn't know what to do and he was scared. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I actually, I really liked this moment. I liked the moment where he shot the guy. It looks like he was kind of debating pulling the trigger. You know, I'm not saying that this is going to like weigh heavily on his conscience moving forward. It, it definitely won't. He did what um, he had to do in the moment. But what, in the moment, I was kind of like, Ugh, are they going to make him not kill here uh, to just bring like the, the really stark contrast with where he is at the start of Rogue One, where he basically kills his own informant for convenience sake? <laughs> yeah. Um, he can't get out of there. I mean, he can't climb. No, <laughs> but he's like, so he's not a he's not a perfect man here, but he's also not like a do gooder. Like I think that was one of the issues we had, or at least a lot of people had with Solo and how like kind of like chummy and like just lovable uh, Han Solo was in that movie, as opposed mm-hmm. to the like pirate or scoundrel that he's really we all were like expecting to get. Mm. Oh, yeah. For the record, yes, if Solo two and Solo three ever happened, we would have potentially seen him fall into that role. So don't at me. But <laughs> I mean, look, maybe <laughs> maybe it's just because we're recording on a Sunday and it's on my mind. Um, <laughs> close your ears for a second if you don't want a potential small House of the Dragon spoiler. It's not like he's trying to have sex with his niece. He just killed someone. Okay, he's not a Damon Targaryen. Uh, I think it's easier to root for Cassian right now than someone like that. Like, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, Cassian is not a danger snack, people. Yeah. Well, he's not a danger he's snack. snack. But he's, he's snack. not that level. <laughs> Whole snack. Which brings us to my next point. Cue Brittany Womanizer. Oh my God. Womanizer, womanizer. <laughs> that is, All right, let me yeah. stop before we get copyrighted. <laughs> but yeah, holy shit. Marva like totally dunks on Cassian. Like, I don't even know how many fucking girlfriends you've had. <laughs> He's obviously getting around a little Marva bit. Marva just said S L U T slut. <laughs> you are a space slut, baby, but you do you. You do whatever you want, but please don't tell me that you have told all of them that you are from Canary. <laughs> Get better pillow talk. Exactly. I do like that he does. It does obviously seem like he has a special place in his heart for Bix. However, I really hope that she's not his like true love or love interest because i really hope not die. that just means she's gonna get fridged oh um, i still yeah that that's was my concern happen. don't fridge her yeah please don't fridge her we love you we love you fix <laughs> <laughs> who do we have next anders <laughs> next we have our little droid buddy b2 emo and oh my god guys when he's talking about how lying takes up extra powers <laughs> it's just so it's too adorable lies. yeah that's two lies it's how could you just not instantly love this little guy? And mm-hmm. we also, it's actually, again, really amazing world building that they're kind of putting in here with he's old. So he, his power drains faster. We actually see him in Marva's home in his charging port, which we really have never seen a droid Mm-mm. do before. Oh, I'm pretty sure we do see a gonk droid. That is another Easter egg. Always got to shout out the gonk droid. We love a gong. Like we saw R2 get plugged in once, but we've never really seen these like maintenance charging ports for these droids, mm-hmm. which is just yeah. another great bit of world building that they built straight into the sets. She's got the little blinking thing. It's again, it's just like Wally's like power indicator. I do love that lying takes so much power. <laughs> He's just He's so cute. <laughs> He's so cute. 
Um, that makes me wonder if this is the same for all droids. I'm sure we'll find out later. Because he seems to be a pretty old model. Like, yeah. R2 is an older model, too. And so is Chop. Yeah. So I think B is definitely on the older side when it comes to <laughs> But he's the trusty, like, Marva obviously loves him. Cassian has been around him his entire life. Do love how B shows up and is like, where have you been, young man? <laughs> but he still brought him a snack. He did. He brought him a snack. He's a good droid. He's a good boy. Good boy. Oh, my goodness. Okay, going back to Bix. Um, we love the Cassian's love interest, quote unquote, love interest is actually in a relationship was in a relationship with someone else that she cared about someone she saw as more stable than Cassian. This is kind of like you're dating the safe option, (laughs) (laughs) which is fine. Like, but he's also really insecure, which she might have known, but girl, come on. He's gonna be smarter than that he's gonna fucking follow you Uh like she just thought that he was gonna stay behind and be the good boyfriend she's just not reading him correctly here and look if my name was tim i'd be insecure too tim two m's two m's two m tim we do love that she's super confident though and she's capable like she's a capable asset in her own right like she brings luthan to cassian yeah she Cassie has her own network. Connection. Yeah, she is. She's like her own leader. Yeah, she if has... she's able to be in contact with someone like Luthen, yeah. she obviously knows what she's doing. Mm-hmm. And I do she's wanna... like the gearhead, the mechanic. Like she knows yeah. a lot more than Cassian knows. Absolutely. I do want to take this moment to point out a lot of people have been, it's been floating around the internet for the past couple of days. Is this the first time that there was sex in Star Wars? Clearly these people, no. <laughs> I don't blame you if you haven't. But clearly these people have never read the Star Wars novels. I'm looking at you, Dark Disciple, Lost Stars, Tatooine Ghosts. Um, also never pretty sure Queen's Rebels. Hope. <laughs> also watch Rebels where a child is produced. <laughs> yeah. Hera and Kanan were banging everyone. Come on. <laughs> there is a child. Like who looks like an Oompa Yeah. Oh, poor Jason. I hope he, he really does. Ears. <laughs> I really hope he does. Oh, oh the God. sex thing was so wild. People, there's never been sex in Star Wars. I'm like, uh, yes, there has. Adam Driver was literally born. <laughs> I mean, they're just not showing Padme was it. pregnant. Yeah. Padme and Anakin yeah. had a wedding. They did. A <laughs> wedding. And then she was pregnant. Where the fuck does that bump come from? This isn't the fucking space stork, everyone. Like, oh no, is it so shocking that people across the galaxy want a bone? Oh. Well, for oh a Disney God. Plus show, I mean... I'll give I'll give him that. More innuendo, I guess, than we would have yeah. seen. I can I can see that. I can be like, okay, well, she was like taking off her clothes and she went to the bedroom. Like we haven't had that exact <laughs> scene, but Fair we enough. almost had freaking Daenerys and Han Solo banging on top of Han, of Lando's Lando's kids. Yeah, I mean, should have done it. <laughs> so after talking about sexy time, let's talk about moms. Uh, we've got Marva. Hi, mom. <laughs> so Fiona Shaw, just so good with the screen time that she was given. Not oh much, God. but oh she made you sit there and believe it. Like she was great. And even just her sitting there silently, I was like, oh, like you, you're kind of intimidating me right now. 
she's an interesting character. We've got this maternal instincts, lovable rogue kind of thing going on with her. But how do we feel about the fact that she just scooped Cassian up from that <laughs> ship? I know she says like the Republic's going to be there and they'll probably kill him. She has no choice, but like she knows that he doesn't speak any of the language. Like she just takes him away from all of his tribe, his family. That she doesn't ask about. She's like, she has no yeah. idea if he has a tribe or family. Yeah, no, she's just like, nope, I'm going to scoop up this little kid here. It is a little like, is this a white savior thing? Like, is this going to come back to be a thing where he's like, why the hell did you take me away from everyone I've known? Yeah, just because you took him away, does that mean things were going to be better? I mean, maybe given what happens to the planet, it is. I mean, uh, ugh, it was just like, Marva, you kind of, that's a difficult conversation to have with him later on. Yeah. This is, I hope we do see the fallout of that conversation. Like, I, I, I want to know. I could see that potentially, I, stepping on predictions a little bit, but I could see that coming up, like, something up where, like, he just misses his sister or something. Like, he just misses getting her back, and he ends up in, like, a fight with Marva, and she's like, ever since I saved you, and he yells something like, I never asked you to. Because he's obviously been back to Canari. How would he know that his sister was not there anymore? Yeah. I mean, I'm very curious to know what happened to the kids. I'm wondering if they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> mm, something happened. Like something else besides the mining accident and the crash ship happened. And mm, I think we're going to get that. More predictions. Yes, that's going into predictions. Section. What if they yeah. were mining Kaiba crystals? <gasps> Kaiba. My God. <laughs> That would be exciting. I mean, can you imagine if they were mining Kyber and the Kyber was like, no, peace, and blew up? <laughs> yeah. All right. That's just, that's absolutely wild speculation. Colleen, that who are we is... talking about next? <laughs> Our tinfoil hats were on. We are very sorry. No, we're not. Next, we have Cyril Karn. Love him. I'm, I'm so excited about him. But seriously, he looks like every single antagonist I have seen in every single boarding school boys only movie. I was like, are you going to bully Ethan Hawke or maybe <laughs> Brendan Fraser soon? Is that what we're getting? He just has that like, cheekbones and eyes, like the whole British boarding school vibe. Anyone who bullies Brendan Fraser deserves to be flogged in public. Yes, yes, <laughs> they do. Also, watch School Ties and Dead Poets Society. Yes. Yay. <laughs> so Cyril is that type of like company man that you really, really should watch out for. He is going to stab you in the back to climb up the corporate ladder, no matter what. He's obsessive. He's very taciturn. He has no sense of humor whatsoever. Um, <laughs> like I'm sorry, did you all clock out for your bathroom break? Yeah. Like, he's oh, that yeah. kind of nerd. Yes, for sure. You took longer than you were supposed to on your lunch break, like by one minute. One minute. This is. I saw that you were sending memes during the day. <laughs> <laughs> were you on... Freaking Microsoft Teams sending gifts. You know what? He's the kind of nerd that would call them memes. Oh yeah, and gifs. He would also yeah. say gifs. Yeah, gif is a peanut butter. Goddamn like, right, it's a peanut get it butter. right, Cyril. Fucking oh Cyril. my god, I I do like this kind of character though because they're very easy to hate. I love that. I'm ready for well, the actor's doing a great job. Fuck He's you, fantastic. Cyril. He's so good. He but he really is like trying to do his job well 
which is also like everybody else is out there doing the minimum and he's like well why why can't we all like do our jobs well he just doesn't have the chops for this kind of like combat on the ground job that he gets boss i know that overtime is limited this week i'm just gonna go unpaid He's that oh, kind yeah. of. He's I'm gonna go above and beyond. He's a yeah. fucking yeah. He ruins the curve on every fucking test. <laughs> he, oh my god, that. he does. Okay. Excuse I just, me, teacher, you forgot about our quiz. <laughs> I hope he stubs his toe so hard. <laughs> May you stub your toe on every coffee table you come across. Right. Yes. <laughs> every calf table you come across. Yeah. I did like how his reactions to the civilian unrest and how everyone just kind of stares at them he seems very surprised by it and shocked. Like mm-hmm. he looks very uneasy and he's like, why is everyone looking at us like this? And the soldiers are like, we're oh, used like to it. corporate we security. Know they hate us. Like they, we, we know that they hate us. He just really has no idea what he's getting into. He doesn't understand why people wouldn't like him or why they would hate him. He's like, I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah. He's the guy who studied the theory and thinks he can ace the practical. Oh yeah. <laughs> For Sorry, sure. Paul Blart. Some people like time theft and like to take showers on the clock. Yes. <laughs> uh, Colleen, I really like the uh, the Javert John Valjean comp that you made earlier with with him mm-hmm. and with Cassian. I love the potential, like intentional slash unintentional comedy that could be produced throughout this series. If like Cassian's constantly on these spy missions and Cyril just shows up and fucks it up every time, <laughs> or potentially they end up in like a zeb callus type relationship oh, by the I... end although callus was definitely more confident than cyril was yeah i feel like andor's just gonna make him loosen up and like learn to be less of a nerd like <laughs> cyril goes to investigate someone stole a shipment of pilot pens intended for this <laughs> imperial facility and cassian's there just trying to steal covert shit and like oh okay. yeah you know what cyril just again. cyril just needs to hop on a ship with ap5 and yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that would be. And fantastic. the two of them would just love each other. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. If he is a Javert comp, though, he's not going to bend. He no. would rather break. So we'll see how that ends up yes. by the end of the series. <laughs> All right. And then the last character we really got to talk about is Luthen. We don't know much about him from these episodes. He appears in the trailers, Colleen mentioned, in a more political capacity. So he probably is someone very important. Mm-hmm. Here, he's just the guy searching for people to help sow rebellion, to plant those seeds, light that spark of rebellion. Watch Rebels. <laughs> Ruthless, tactically minded. He's like, no, kill this guy. Like, let's, let's go. Let's move on. These two, he and Cassian... I could see them having a really, really good like mentor-mentee relationship of like learning the spy crafts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, that man on the transport, what did you guys think about that? Like, I... I was suspicious immediately. <laughs> I was suspicious, but him just sitting there giving like the side eye at this guy, like, was great. what do you want? The, <laughs> the guys like mentioned, like, if you can't find it on Ferrex, it's not worth finding. Like, it sounded like it could be some kind of a code phrase. Yes. This guy... Like, yes, there are people on a train who are going to, like, come sit by you or talk. Like, people sitting together on a plane. I have my fucking headphones and don't speak to me. <laughs> this is the guy that will always try to speak to you. He's wearing his fucking fedora or his hat looked very much like a fedora. I'm like, oh, no, it's right. a hipster. It's a Star Wars hipster. <laughs> run, run, Stellan. But he just was, like, chatty. And even, like, getting off the ship, he's like, so, like, 
are you staying in a hotel? Like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this guy fishing for info. Like, what is going on here? And Luthen is Either just he's fishing for info the whole time. or he is cruising because he saw Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> he said, hey, I mean, I've got a hotel room. Uh, I got to shoot my shot. <laughs> like, look, I'm sorry. I thought I booked uh, two queen beds that gave me one <gasps> king. I guess There's just one bed? <laughs> I got a timeshare in the leisure district. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I did love how he was talking about how they like totally just screw them out of money though by making them circle forever yeah. on the transport. <laughs> how long did it cost or how much did it cost for you to like port your ship? He's like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, outrageous. <laughs> the audacity. <laughs> That's how I feel now when I go try and fill up my car with gas. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then lastly here, we haven't talked about this yet. We got to give a shout out to Nicholas Patel's score um, on this show. It is absolutely gorgeous. There is tension. There is tragedy. He's doing such an amazing job. Do you guys have any other thoughts on on the music? Just, it blends so well into like what's going on. Mm-hmm. I got to say the the thing that surprised me the most, mm-hmm. episode two, when they pulled out the drums as Cassian's like walking uh, through the scrapyard. Mm-hmm. I was like, this not a, a music choice we've really heard in star wars before mm-hmm. but it just felt good like i it it really is matching the show in a in a good way lots of percussion yeah which is nice to hear mm-hmm. and it just and not just the percussion of the bells <laughs> the anvil <laughs> the anvil. bells the bells are ringing <laughs> it's just like like the people banging on their shop doors too very percussive, very sound intentional, which I really like. Like sound mixing also in this. Holy shit. Amazing. So good. <sighs> All right. Well, then let's move into our last bit here. Our questions and predictions. Any real que- Any other questions we had coming out of these episodes? What do we think is co- coming next? And what do we want to happen next? So, Colleen, you want to start us off? Um, my... Big question is, will Cassian find his sister? I'm very much, I love this kind of thing where people are trying to find their family, but I have a feeling they're going to save this for either season two or at the very end of season one. And I don't think she's going to be alive. I think she's probably going to die, which really sucks for Cassian, but it would push him into the rebellion a lot further. Um, I'm not super invested in this part of the story yet, but you can feel Cassian's desperation. Like in that brothel, he is very much only there for one thing and once the poor girl figures that out she's like no dude i'm i'm out i have to go make money elsewhere you're not gonna give it to me uh i'm much more interested in canari like what what Mm -hmm. is happening with canari what happened there what's up with the mining incident um why is everyone marva told about cassian being from canari dead (laughs) why are they dead like what is going on here my guess on that one is just that they were pirates and pirates it's very unlikely that they'll the only one the only last one who knows is hondo (laughs) and he hasn't and now that he knows this he can make that information what profitable profitable exactly these are canary um, I am wondering about that weird yellow gas and the kind of splotches slash growths 
that were on the ship crew. Like something has gone horribly wrong here. And I want to know what that is because I love bioterrorism. Yay. Any sort of <laughs> scenario where it's like a bioweapon, where it's like this could have won the war, but we can't use it because like going to kill everyone. <laughs> Sorry, Colleen, I just have to tell you, I'm, I'm absolutely going to clip that out of the episode. And like whenever you text me or something, it's my phone is going to say, I love bioterrorism. Yay. <laughs> Narratively, very important adverb to add on there. Narratively, it's interesting because it's like this human slash alien slash sentient being conundrum of should we go this far in order to win? Like, can we go this far in order to win? And this, I think, is something that Palpatine would be very interested in. Like this crashed ship with a possible bioterrorism weapon. This is why people are dead if they know is it about part of the Tarkin initiative. It could be part of the Tarkin initiative. It's just I'm very here for it. Uh, we already talked about Jean Valjean versus Javert feel that Cassian and Cyril have. I love that. I think. Cyril will stick around. I kind of had a bad feeling that he might be done after these episodes, but now I'm like, no, I really want him to brush shoulders with Imperials and learn what real like laziness is because <laughs> a lot of the Imperials are so fucking lazy. I'm here for it. I love this mm-hmm. kind of character who thinks he's right. Like he really thinks he's right. Yeah. <laughs> and like some of the other like super evil people. <laughs> Anders, how about you? All right, so I have a lot of questions. I've got a lot of questions and a lot of comments coming out of these episodes, but all all good things, really, I Mm -hmm. think. It does Mm -hmm. what it should do. I'm interested in what's next in this story. Starting, though, I want to talk about the timeline. Now, according to Wikipedia, Cassian dies in Rogue One at the age of 26. I feel compelled to note that Diego Luna was at least 35 when he was filming that movie. (laughs) Looks great. (laughs) That would ultimately make him here 21 and six when the empire is founded, meaning that when Marva, who definitely says Republic like seven times in those flashback, meaning he would have to be younger than six at that point. And I just not buying it. Now, th- that part of thing, I'm absolutely sure could just be like yada yada and you could change change the number. Like, I don't think that there are like specific events that he's a part of that it right. would be a bad thing to just say, no, he's actually born like several years older before that. Yeah, I think they're aging him up a bit. I think they're aging Marvel him up. Marvel wouldn't know how old he is. Right. She's picked him up. This is a but guess. We do, we've, we've referenced this, though, in the past. So there are no adults on that planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are none. And when he goes by that mine, it looks like it's already been abandoned. Reinforced by the fact that the kids are able to walk to this crash ship and there's no, like, rescue crew. There's, like, no one from the mine has, hasn't right. taken, like, an investigation over to it. There's nothing like that. So that would indicate that there's already a mining disaster, but it feels way too deliberate that they keep saying Republic, but they also mentioned that Canari was abandoned by the empire. And so this is maybe the empire went back. Yeah. I'm sure that this will probably be answered because those are, like I said, it's way too deliberate for them to be using those terms for it not Mm -hmm. to matter or not to mean something later, but it was kind of, bugging me to an annoying degree oh yeah (laughs) here's what i think it is like like, timeline wise cassian says he's been in the fight since he was six but he obviously is older than six in that flashback Mm -hmm. i'm under the assumption that this is like right at the end of the clone wars Mm -hmm. so maybe he's like nine 
10 around this flashback and something happened with the adults at the beginning of the war. And that maybe has been where he's been in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe, uh, yeah, I think he was like probably around nine or 10. And that was probably right around the events of Revenge of the Sith. It might have even been near Order 66 and it could have been the new empire at that point. So getting actually right at that point, Daniel, my one of my other questions and it's related to timeline is what's up with Cassian's dad? So it so, may it ultimately yeah. may or may, may not be important, but Luthen was like, hey, strung up in the town square, just like your father, which means Luthen has to have the access to some kind of records that ties Cassian to those events of his father. And if mm-hmm. they if Marva's actually been as careful as she thinks she has with getting his records as being born on fest, that would indicate that it's someone later, like his adoptive father, but Marva's I, I partner think it is, is still his al- adopted father. But Marva's partner, Sam, is still alive. We see him like outside her window briefly. Mm-hmm. So who is this guy or was this beforehand? And this is like another disaster on Canari or like mm. something. Was going that on like there? the miners? Like the miners. I think that so. was someone different. Uh, I thought that was him. I thought that was him because he like went up to Marva's and then like saw the security forces and peace out. It could have been. I, I, I would have, I have to, to watch again. again. Yeah, because <laughs> so, I wasn't paying attention too much. I was under the assumption that it was it was Clem that got uh, un- unfortunately, you know, I think that the security forces did that too. And um, it could maybe be, it, it could be Clem, or it could be Cassian's real dad. Yeah, which would be very so, like Hunger Gamesy. I feel like that's something that will be addressed. Either we'll yeah. see, I think we're going to see it in flashbacks or they're going to they're going to talk about it. And mm-hmm. maybe that's when he's in the fight when he's 6 when his dad dies. Yeah. Maybe. And I think that that square that they're talking about is specifically on Ferrix. I thought it would be too. Yeah, that's yeah. I was like what's going on? All right. So hopefully we'll get an answer there. General Star Wars question guys, it's a Star Wars TV series. Will we see a lightsaber? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not either. I hope not. <laughs> I could see seeing like maybe we have like a single run in with an Inquisitor or like a, or a Vader at some point in the similar way to Rogue One. But generally, I'm with you guys on that. I kind of don't want one here. Yeah, I think <laughs> there's no need. way to embedded in the rebellion. I mean, the only one we could maybe see is Ahsoka since she's another active fulcrum at this point. But they're in separate parts of the galaxy. Can we get yeah. a Caden in the background? <laughs> Um, okay and then we talked about you know any rebels crossover reference i don't think we're going to get anything truly overt here Mm. you know maybe again someone in the background it's not going to be like when they put young hera as a character on the bad batch maybe we see a particular purpley mandalorian armor walking by somewhere we get a glimpse of chopper um, cause as of now, we're still a couple years out from the rebellion, even getting formalized that happened in rebel season three. So two mm-hmm. or three years from now, and everything's still operating in these individual isolated cells. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, my last major question coming out of here, we've talked about it a little bit, which of these characters are we actually going to see again? Mm. So this show is ultimately going to cover five years worth of time over its two seasons, And based on interviews with Tony Gilroy, it seems like it's kind of, it's arranged in like these major arcs. So we had these three, I think the final two in season one are grouped together. 
and then the middle is grouped in like a couple of different groupings Chunks, kind and of. Cassian's leaving. Like they've set the groundwork. Like, are we actually going to see Bix again? I hope so. It's possible that we actually, <laughs> it's so. possible. We never see Marva again in the present timeline. And we only have her own flashbacks from now on, which would be crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. they hired like, her Fiona Shaw for just love, short time. love. Well, no, we could still see her in flashbacks. Brasso was really cool. But it's also, that's like good seeding for other potential spinoff, other potential stories to tell, like along the way. I think Tony Garoy said there's like, there's like 160, 170 speaking parts throughout this season. Which is so crazy. Um, I mean, which is insane. We might, so we're going to meet an insane amount of characters. We might see the fallout because I mean, that's that's a big squad to lose on Ferrix. I bet we're going to see them come back and crack down on Ferex and there's probably going to be some communication with Cassie. And I bet, I, I don't think that's going to be completely the end of, of those characters. I hope not. I want to see them again and not to die. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather that they not, not die, especially Vix. Like, yeah. especially not to the women characters die, please. Let's not do that. <laughs> All right, Daniel, what do you got? I am. Um, I'm excited to see what is going on with that crash ship because it looks like it's a CIS symbol Mm. and they're talking about the Republic's going to show up potentially and they'll clear out anyone in the area. That doesn't really sound like the Republic to just start mowing down civilians. Right. Uh, So I really am curious about what's going on. Is this proto empire? Like, is this like right after, order 66 and like they're still in clone armor and everything like we haven't switched over to or is marva stormtroopers or was marva separatist i mean because there was some hint in cassian's backstory i think that made it sound like he had separatist origins maybe marva was a separatist i i'm really just i'm looking forward to seeing what's going on like these flashbacks are are interesting Mm -hmm. and it feels like they are not nearly as intrusive as the ones in Boba Fett were. They yeah. really seem to be leading somewhere. So I, like those have me excited. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see Luthen now. Uh, mm-hmm. He seems like such an interesting character just mm-hmm. coming in, like have your exit planned. What are you talking about? I planted these things already. Like, Oh yeah. He's on. ready. He is he's so like, ready. Combat I'm ready trained. to do this. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, I'm I am really excited by where this character is going to take Cassian and like show him this broader mm-hmm. like world, this bigger galaxy to join. And yeah, I'm just I'm excited. Like at, at this point, I'm trying not to like get too hyped and like, oh, is this yeah. going to happen? Is this going to show up? Because they've they've done enough in the first three episodes where I'm like, take me wherever you're going. Mon Mothma, I'm willing to just walk down whatever road. Heck yes. We have to throw that out for Flo. We need to see more Mon Mothma. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I will say though, I will say in the trailers, we see Mon Mothma coming to visit Luthen and Luthen puts on that absurd wig and flowing robes. So I'm like, okay, let me see my boy. Not only is he going to be a badass spy, but he's like, let me be like absurd clown. Look at my <laughs> hair. Look at my rings. Like, yes, King, do both. I'm ready. I'm so ready for it. He's doing male drag. Let's go, Mama. Mm-hmm. Oh my Bring god. It. 
Stellan Skarsgård's um, like, put whatever wigs on me you want. I am here. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. I have an affinity for bad wigs in TV shows. Like <laughs> they make me happy when you can see the wig line. It's like yes. <laughs> I know it looks bad, but I love it. Well, Anders, there's your tagline for Daniel. <laughs> I love bad wigs. Bad wigs. <laughs> bad wigs and bioterrorism here on yet another Star Wars podcast. I mean, go off, Queen. Work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Do we have anything else to add or do we want to end on bad wigs bad and bioterrorism? bioterrorism. <laughs> oh, man. Well, oh thank you, everyone, for joining us today where we found out new things about ourselves. Uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. You can follow us wherever you're getting your podcast. Hit that follow button. Leave us a five-star review. Um, if you're also into bioterrorism and bad wigs, um, if you're not, please give us five-star reviews anyway. Um, we can negotiate. So also check out our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films, plus some other Disney Plus shows. Uh, check out all our offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and Anders on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast and Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. So join us next time when we will take a look at the next episode of Andor, episode four. Ooh. All right. Until then, remember, lying takes up too much power supply. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye. everyone.